happening everyone welcome to a brand new episode of total football club my name is alex perez you can follow me on twitter and on instagram at alex perez fc remember this show is brought to you by the blue wire hustle network shout out to them follow the show on twitter on instagram on facebook at total food club subscribe to the show on spotify on apple podcast on youtube subscribe rate review do what you have to do. We appreciate absolutely everything. We have an excellent show for you all. We're going to talk a little bit about Ajax. We're going to talk about the Champions League. We're going to talk about Barcelona. Is Ansu Fati the savior of the Blaugranas? And we're going to end it off with something fun. The weirdest transfers of all time. But today, today's a very special day. First, let me bring on my guy, Chris. Chris Suet. Number one Chelsea fan in the world. <laughs> Sir... How are you with that incredible yellow Chelsea jersey? I'm doing great, Alex. I'm doing great. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, yeah, it's this is the this is the Conte jersey. I had to bring it out for my boy Teddy. It's not all the time I get a we get a, a great guest on the show, so I had to show out. Well, there you go. You you did half of my job already. Thank you, Chris. Let's bring on this this guy's chris's boy and now it looks like we're friends because we're both barcelona fans jose guzman yes. in the building sir thank you for joining us we hope that we don't scare you on <laughs> on this first episode and we hope that you come back welcome yes. to the show how are you doing and of course let us know a little bit about yourself so we can so we can all get to know you and and we can all become friends perfect i'm doing pretty well i'm very excited to be here guys um my name is Jose Guzman, as you know. I'm a big Barcelona fan, huge soccer fan. Watch a lot of soccer in general in terms of UCL, World Cup, Euros, Copa, you name it. Like, I'm pretty much in tune with it. I'm very passionate. Got into soccer in 2014 during the World Cup when I moved to Richmond, Virginia. Just given that I really didn't know anyone there, so I was just watching soccer at Bards, and the rest has been history, man. And I'm excited to speak about everything Barcelona. And other news as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And even though I might be about six, seven years late, welcome to the football family because Thank you. this is this is a very welcoming family. And of course, we appreciate your presence. Well, since you're our guest, we're going to start it off with you. What did you watch? What did you like? What did you read? Whatever caught your attention this week, please let us know. We, we want to hear. So the... Two things caught my attention. Um, Ooh, okay. I would say, I would say first the Barcelona game. That was an awesome match right off the break. I would say um, it was pretty interesting how they played, and the result made it even better. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing I would say is just this whole um, initiative in soccer right now, where they're trying to see if they're going to change the World Cup into a biannual event. So every two years you have a World Cup, or even annually. So it's pretty interesting to see like folks like Arsene Wenger proposing these um, type of niches within football and then also see what players are against it, what, what players are actually for it, especially um, old 
players who are already retired. So it's kind of interesting to see how that's going to play out. Because I think it's all a money grab. Not a not a money grab, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's all about renovation. So I think it's probably going to change or there's going to be something that's going to change in general. Yeah. Well, Chris, we, we talked about this uh, about a month ago and it looks like you have something to say. So we, 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 we can definitely elaborate on this. There's a lot to say always. I, I just think not, 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 I think it's very interesting. I agree with Jose. It is, it is a, a very interesting topic. I just think that there's, there's so many holes to it. Like, um, how do you get around like all the injuries and all the all the? I mean, I know they they're saying that it's going to be less qualifiers, but the, that means that the games are going to matter more, in my opinion. So it's not like they're going to go against, you know, these these lower level teams and it's going to be friendlies. No, every game is going to be these, these guys are trying to rip your soul. So they, they, everybody's trying to make <laughs> the World Cup. Everybody's trying to make these major tournaments. So, and then if with all the scheduling that the problems that they already have, like um, they would, uh, one, of the, one of the things that I was just hearing was that uh, the World Cup is in Qatar is supposed to be in November and December, right? The next one. Yeah. But so is the, the Africa Cup of Nations. It's supposed to be starting around the same time. So how are they going to figure that out? Like they're already, and then, then no one's addressing it. So it's like already something where they're going to have an issue. So, I could see something where a Euro or another major tournament is going to be scheduled for the same summer and they, they won't really know what to do or they're going to move it to a month later. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't know how it's going to work. But, I, I, I mean, we'll see. They could, they could make it happen. Stranger things have happened recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us about it. It's, it's been insane these, these last, few, last few months, last few years, really. But... But yeah, I mean, Jose, kind of to, to fill you in on, on what we were talking about on, in that one episode, if you guys haven't listened to that, I suggest you do. It's very, very, very interesting episode that we recorded about a month ago. It was actually during the last international break. And we we pretty much did say the same things and, and, and we we just couldn't really figure out what how, or how they were going to organize all of this we said okay so is the copa america going to be terminated is the gold cup going to be completely erased that's kind of the conclusion that we came to because what else can you really do there's there's not much more than you can do what are you going to do add months to the year you can't do that right you can't have 14 15 months so i think that you you have to get rid of some of these tournaments and it sucks. It sucks for people like us on this side of the world because what are we going to look forward to? Just a Euro and a Copa America? Like, yeah, that's cool, but we we can't we can't relate ultimately. And to to use to use simple terms, we can't really relate. Yeah, we can enjoy watching Italy, but I'm not Italian. You guys aren't Italian. What are we going to root for? You know. So that, that that's really what it what it comes down to. That they're going to have to get rid of some of these some of these competitions. Well, I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about this again later down the line because this isn't going to go away. This isn't going to go away, Jose. But thank you for, for bringing that up. Chris, what did you watch? What did you? What caught your attention this weekend? Uh, what caught my attention was Man United. Man United, oh. I think. Yeah, I'm ready to concede that already. 
Um, I had them finishing third. You had them finishing fourth. I think uh, I'm already ready to concede that they're not going to finish third because Liverpool look really well. Uh, how do I say? Well coached. They look like they're they're back to being a a, a really mm-hmm. dangerous, ominous side that nobody wants to play. Because Salah's back to his best. Mane scoring again. Firmino is 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 running rampant. I think he's he's. They said he played one game and already has more goals than Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's mm-hmm. it's a little it's, it's a little nuts. Like Liverpool look ominous, and then. Uh, Chelsea and City look better than United. They're not dropping the points that Man United are. And and I I I think we touched on it earlier where we said that um, Man United's really being held back at this point by their manager because you look at the other top clubs and you can make a case he can maybe coach at Tottenham, but anywhere else and I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wouldn't really wouldn't get a, a serious consideration and. He hasn't really won anything at United. Um, they, them playing Leicester City, that's that's a big game for them. I think that's a, that was a statement game that they really needed to to run away with and show everybody like we can face a really dangerous team like Leicester and 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 look just as ominous as a Liverpool or a Chelsea, and they really look so bad. Um, they they missed. Varane, so they, they, I think they, they, they didn't want to put a lineup out there without Varane and Maguire. So Ali put Maguire out there without having played in the last, I think they said three, like three weeks. He hasn't played uh, Harry Maguire. So, and he, and he really was probably the worst player on the pitch. Like, yeah, looks so bad. Um, So, and, 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 I guess the biggest sign for them was that Leicester scored 14 seconds after they equalized. Um, it, it, it was so. It was really. Uh, it was really uh, a, a poor match by United. They they didn't look like they they don't look like they're gonna make the next step. And they finished second last year. And they added Jaden Sancho, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Rafael Varane. So. They really should make a title run this year. I thought they were. I thought they were gonna finish in third. They're they're not. Um they they just they'd be lucky to finish fourth at this point. Yeah. Wow. Well it's it's very difficult to disagree with you, Chris. And and Jose, let me let me ask you this because this is something that Chris and I have definitely talked about in the past. We've talked about the expectations on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and and we've talked about how how soft the fan base and 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 the board has been with Ole. It, it it could come down to maybe he's he's a club legend and ultimately he won them a Champions League 20, 20 odd years ago. So do you do you Jose do you believe that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets a bit of a pass as Manchester United manager? Do you think other managers in his position would get the same treatment or do you think that people are are being fair with Ole when when they're not as critical and as tough on him um i'm definitely going to agree with the fact that he's a club legend and they haven't really been outright honest on his performances because i don't that you have to look at the performances and they have a great team and to chris's point they've invested in the team significantly this past summer so they should be in the top four even in the top three discussion altogether 
And I think his time is coming to an end because once you get Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, the, the expectations are even higher. You know, Cristiano expects to win and he expects to be in a team that has that same mentality. And obviously the coach isn't up to that par and to that level. So it's only going to get even worse, you know? It can even cause turmoil within the team. And they have pretty, pretty solid team. Then you also have Pogba's contract talks as well. So, you know, they may lose a player there. They may lose a couple of players. You never know. So it's like, you know, I think they definitely need to move on. But then the question is who? And then that's that's probably the issue with a lot of clubs, even like Barca. Like, you want to move on from a coach, but who's going to be the right person? It's hard to determine that. So I think that's why they're stuck and they haven't decided on what to do. I know of a guy that's unemployed right now, and this is the guy that we always that we always fancy to take a <laughs> a job. Chris, I hope you know who I'm talking oh, about. I, I think I know who I'm talking about. Oh come on, Chris! You don't know who I'm. You don't know our boy Zinedine Zidane. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We always pick up whenever there's an opening. We always pick Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> PSG that's going to open up in by December for sure. Um, Manchester United and that's going to open up in a bit too. So <laughs> Zinedine Zidane, someone snatch him up. He's he's available and he's willing to work, or or maybe he just wants to work at Real Madrid. I don't know. That's a different story. We'll talk about that some yeah. other time. <laughs> um, do you guys care to elaborate a little more or do you guys have anything else to say about Manchester United? Um, the only thing I will say, Mason Greenwood is a baller. And him being with Cristiano might be a great asset for his development in the future, you know? Yeah, uh, he still can't uh, figure out if he's left-footed or right-footed. Dude, he's both. He's filthy. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't take that away from the kid. He is a baller. But let's see if they get a real winner in there. Because I think, I think to your point, Alex, Zidane definitely is gonna gonna pick his. He's gonna pick his next uh, his next team, and wherever he doesn't go, I think Conte goes. So mm. hopefully, United pick up a real uh, serious coach, and it'll help the kid even further. Interesting. So it looks like we're all on the Ole out train. Well, definitely. That, the, <laughs> Chris doesn't say it, but he always tweets something they could, uh, insinuating could, it. They could stay there. He could stay there, and they could keep losing. It's just okay. A, all right, all right. I, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I, I, I respect that. <laughs> all right. Well, what I watched, what I watched this the, this weekend, I'm sure is going to interest a lot of people because I watched. Herdenveen versus Ajax, and I apologize if I didn't pronounce the home team's name right, but it's a little bit difficult, and it's in Dutch. Dutch is one of the most difficult languages ever. I mean, it's it's incredibly difficult. I I don't I don't even know a word. I'll just put it that way. I watched Ajax for the sole reason that they're a football factory. They produce young talent like there's no tomorrow. And also, I I, I can't lie. I was scouting Barcelona's new coach, or hopefully future coach, Eric Tenag. <laughs> Fingers crossed, Jose. Fingers crossed. I hope so. I was scouting him, even though I, I, I do know what he's about. I just wanted to watch him in a tough, tough fixture. At, away from home, in the league. Because let's be honest, not many people watch the Eddie Divisa, but I wanted to see how he performed. I wanted to see what his substitutions were, were like. 
And I think he passed the test because he brought in David Neres and, and he brought in a defensive midfielder who I, the name escapes me right now. But he, he took off uh, Mohamed Kudus and, and he brought in a more experienced defensive midfielder and he closed down the game and he made sure that he took those three points home because that was a tough, tough fixture. Now I'm going to rattle off some names that you guys should definitely, definitely be on the lookout because maybe your favorite team will snatch them up and that'll, that'll be your future club legend. <laughs> I just mentioned one right now, Mohamed Kudos, excellent dribbler. He's he's. He just doesn't have a care in the world. He'll he'll dribble past a couple defenders. He might not be a great decision maker. He's also like 17 or 18. So I don't expect that from him just yet. Ryan Gravenberg, solid defensive player. He is a guy that, of course, maybe a Barcelona can snatch up if the price is right. Premier, the Premier League is always a good home for these young Dutch players. Urian Timber. He's very speedy. He can play out as a right back. He can play as a center back. Again, Barcelona. I hope you're listening to this. This is just a Barcelona <laughs> shortlist. Basically, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> per Shores. He is a rock in the in the, in the center back position. He had to take an energy drink 60 minutes into the game because he was exhausted. He put in a shift. Anthony. Electric winger. He didn't play this weekend, but he is electric. He's Brazilian. You know that those wingers are going to be very, very good. And of course, Edson Alvarez, the Mexican, the Mexican defensive midfielder. Sometimes he plays as a as a, as a box to box midfielder. What was that, Chris? I thought he plays as a, as a center back sometimes, but maybe I'm confusing him with somebody else on the team. He did. He arrived to the team as a center back, but then they they move him forward as a defensive midf- midfielder. He plays center back, right back, defensive midfielder. He plays as a box to box midfielder sometimes too. He just plays everywhere, but I think his best position might be as a defensive midfielder. So, of course, I I nice. I, I pray I pray that he becomes half of the player that Frankie De Jong or Ryan Gra- Gravenberg <laughs> become because that just means that Mexico will have a superstar. And then of course Sebastian Allaire just scores at will incredible um and i was also surprised by guys like dujan tadic and dali blind these guys could still probably play in the premier league they tadic is incredible this dude is mm-hmm. he he somehow got better as years <laughs> went on and and he is he and of course dali blind they're players that can see out these tough games because you you can, of course, have a lot of young talent, but you need experience on the pitch. You absolutely need that experience on the pitch, and that is what Tadic and Blind bring to the table. Uh, Dusan Tadic, if if I'm a Premier League club struggling, I, I would bring him in. He could be my starting number 10. He can be a super sub at one of these big clubs too. He still has it. But then again... Uh, there's a reason why he left the Premier League, right? And now he's doing really good at Ajax, and I'm and I'm glad he's doing well. Ajax is a team that everyone should be watching, period. Everyone should be watching. Your favorite club might snatch up one of these players, and that is going to be a player that you will idolize and you will be watching for the next 10, 15 years. Ajax, keep your eye out for, for this team because, again, they're fun to watch, and you might be... You might be predicting the future 
at some point and, and then you'll look good in front of your friends <laughs> you'll look good in those in those soccer chats no doubt uh, all right boys we'll uh we'll end this this uh actually no i almost forgot champions league you guys want to talk about the champions league yes all right indeed. okay well let's talk about the champions league let me preface this by saying that we are recording this on monday night we're recording this on Monday night, so don't don't kill us if we if we get some predictions wrong or some of our some of our uh, assessments aren't necessarily accurate. And uh, shall we start with the games on Tuesday? Let's talk about Atletico and Liverpool A rematch from that from that last game with fans before COVID said no, no more fans for the next year or so. All right. How do we feel, boys? Uh, Jose, I'll start with you. How do we feel about this game, Atletico and Liverpool? Uh, it's going to be a spicy match. Atletico at home, you know, they're going to play defensive. They're going to be motivated. But um, I think Salah, too much magic, and maybe a t- either a tie or, or a two-zip win for Liverpool, to be honest. Chris? I think that's pretty fair, honestly. Um, it being at Madrid pulls it a little bit in their favor, but Salah is unplayable at the moment in a good way. He's he's yeah. dropping dude, he's dropping heads like this tomorrow. I don't know if you've seen his last two goals of the Man City and then yesterday. Um yeah. that he's he's ridiculous. So honestly I'm I'm probably tuning in to watch a, a, a sick goal from Salah because it's gonna be he's 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 probably gonna find his way there. Um I think it's huge just because both of these teams are at the top of the group. So if one of them knocks out the other, it gives Milan some hope because Milan's played them both pretty well, but they just got unlucky. They, they, they're 0-2, but uh, if one of them can, can land a killer blow in this game, it's, it'll be huge for the rest of the group for sure. Yeah, and, and this is also, in my opinion, the battle of what is going to be the Spanish league champion and the premier league champion so that's gonna be interesting it's always interesting interesting and 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 some people (laughs) and and some people going back to mohammed salah what you guys were talking about some people say that mohammed salah is the best player in the world right now i'm not gonna say yes or no but those performances Mm. those performances are, are are starting to become very difficult to to deny or even argue against so We'll we'll wait and see. I'm I'm just gonna have to pick Liverpool on this because I cannot trust Atletico Madrid in European nights. <laughs> never have, never will. Uh, Liverpool will probably end up with the win. All right, Inter versus Sheriff. Sheriff, the team that took down Madrid, that took down the European giants. Oh yes, I know Jose is loving that because I was loving that too when it <laughs> happened. All right, boys. Uh, Chris, what do we think about this game? You you mentioned something in very interesting before we started recording. You said if Sheriff wins, the group might be a wrap. Yeah, they're they're two and zero, oh, and Ooh. they got a win over Madrid and 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 a win over I I can't I think Shakhtar. Shakhtar is the other yeah, team. it was Shakhtar. Yeah, so I mean, if they win this one, it's pretty much they they they're pretty much through. So it's gonna be a, a big elimination between uh, Real Madrid or, or Inter down the line in my opinion i think the, the, those two break away from shock talent wise but for this game specifically i don't know man it's i want to say 
on talent that Inter finally get the win or they or at best that they draw with Sheriff. But it's hard to, to deny Sheriff, man. If they could take out Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, why can't they why can't they put Inter to the sword, you know? They've been making everybody look foolish so far. So um they can def- I think they can definitely pull out the win. I'll say the most likely thing would be a draw. That's still a huge result to go into yeah. Italy and, and get a, a a result would be absolutely incredible. Jose, what do you think about this game? I will say I agree with Chris. It will be interesting, and I'm pulling for Sheriff to like get an upset just for like the story in general. But I, I think Inter pulls it off. Like not not not. I think of it like they have enough talent to pull it off there at home. You know, like they should be able to pull this off. But a sheriff, like you, you're gonna tell. Like if in, if within the first thirty minutes, sheriff, sheriff looks comfortable on the pitch, then I think it's gonna be a long night for Inter. But um, if sheriff looks like they're in their back heels and they're getting counterattacked, and you can obviously the, see the talent on the pitch, then you know just pack them up at that point. Yeah, with with these types of games, those first thirty minutes are crucial because if 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 you start to see certain certain cracks in these teams that that bet more on the counter and 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 sit back a little more, well then it's it's pretty much a wrap, right? So, yeah. um, I'm I'm gonna go with Inter because they need to make a statement in the Champions League. When was the last time you guys you guys remember Inter Milan being a team that was really really contesting and, and and really competing for a Champions League title when they won it back in 2010 and then and then that's it they they've been to like uh two, I think two knockout stages since they did miss out on a lot of Champions Leagues and a lot of European football for that matter but uh yeah I'm I'm going to have to pick Inter Milan and I th- I think Lautaro Martinez is going to play um if he if he plays oh yeah Martinez and Chalanoglu will start for Inter Milan. So if Lautaro Martinez starts, he's he's coming in hot from from that yeah. international uh, international mm-hmm. break. So yeah. we'll we'll see. I'm sure he'll be he'll be a a crucial part in this Inter Milan side that hopefully will will finish in the knockout stages for this Champions League. All right, let's move on now to the games on Wednesday. Uh Let's talk about Manchester United and Atalanta. It feels like a like a trap game for Manchester United. Maybe they're 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 like, okay, we can bounce back. Can they though, Chris? What do we think? Uh I I I have my doubts. I'll say that. Um it, it feels like a trap game, but that's a really tough team to pull to pull a trap game on because Atalanta really play uh, free-flowing football against anybody. Uh, it doesn't matter who they play against. So a team like Man United, I mean, they're set for a counter. That's how Man United play best, honestly. It's anti-United, but that's how they get their biggest results, uh, under Ali anyway. But I don't know, man. I think that'll be a draw as well, and Ali keeps – Keep skating. <laughs> Poor I'm guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jose, what do we think about this game? Um, I definitely agree it's a trap game for Man United. 
And I think like plays like Duvan Zapata can like get on the score sheet against United, especially given that they're struggling with defenders in general. But then also it's a Champions League night and you know CR7 mm-hmm. Champions Leagues are synonymous. So I think he he probably saves Ali again with a last minute Ooh. goal to either tie or to win the match. They need this match. Like this match is crucial, I think, just for their spirits as a team in general and just all their aspirations goal-wise. I I had a very similar take to the one that, that you just that you just had, Jose. I, I, I do think that when you have Cristiano Ronaldo and you're playing Champions League, especially when your back's against the wall, he's going to show up. He's just yeah. going to show up because that's who he is. That, that's his competition at the end of the, of the day. So I, I think that they won't lose. So that's a positive, right? Um, <laughs> that that's a positive, and I think that they'll probably win. The, uh, I think Manchester United will probably escape with three points in a very, I'd say, very underwhelming fashion. Very Manchester United like this this season. Um, all right, we're gonna talk about two more games here. Let's talk about Barca Kiev, and then we're, we'll talk about Chelsea and Malmo because I I know Chris is gonna wanna. Talk a little bit about <laughs> about Chelsea, Chris. Let's just talk about Chelsea. Um, overall, yeah, their 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 campaign so far uh, in in the Champions League, the, the reigning and defending champions. That's how we should address them. They're in second place of their group. Uh, how do you think they this game will play out on Wednesday against Malmo? Uh, I think it's going to be a closer game than people th- than people imagine. Um, Champions League has not been. Too too uh too smooth for us. We just got a a one zero win over Zenit uh Zenit St Petersburg, and everyone thought we were gonna blow them out of the water. And then we lost at Juventus. So I think this game is gonna be tighter than we think. I think it's gonna be one zero probably one zero one zero Chelsea again, and they 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 win, but and they win convincingly. But we don't we don't look like a, a superstar team just yet. Um, I, I would love, and, and Teddy knows this. Anytime, anytime, uh, and you know this too, Alex. Anytime that this kid gets gets a start, I get excited. It's it, it adds another layer of hype for me. If if Ruben Loftus Cheek gets a Champions League start, <laughs> oh my God, dude, I'm gonna lose. <laughs> this kid, he, come on, he's been playing great the last couple games, and he's he's he had a chance to leave in the summer and he hasn't so if he could get a, if he could get a champions league star and get rewarded oh my god it, it would be so it would be a great message for the academy that's your boy that's been your yeah, boy dude i got i got to get the jersey i, I there's should. so many players that i want to get like lukaku and havertz and mount but i feel like if i don't get a lofty chic jersey then i wouldn't have regrets cuz even if he gets sold like i'm going to have regrets like I have to have that jersey. That's so cool. It's so cool. He's he's basically one of your own, and and that gives it a a, a whole different meaning. It means more. It definitely awesome. does. Um, so you're predicting a Chelsea win? Yes. Come on, man. I'm not gonna predict anything else. One zero, one zero. If, hopefully they look better. <laughs> hopefully they look better than than I imagine, and we freaking. <laughs> run them off the field and we win six nothing but i'm gonna hopefully wishful thinking just like we were crossing our fingers for eric tenag (laughs) for you chris 
like I always say this for you, I hope Chelsea wins six nothing. Um, all right, Jose, Barca game, Barca versus Kiev, Barca zero and two in the Champions League. They haven't, they haven't. I don't think they've registered a shot on target in this Champions League campaign. What's going on? Why can't we get three points in the? Well, sorry, why can't they get three points? Because I. <laughs> You know, I gotta, I, I, I gotta be professional, man. Even though I'm wearing the jersey, <laughs> why can't Barcelona win in the Champions League? Um, I got I, it had multiple things, man. Like it's it's hard to kind of pinpoint on one particular thing, but I would say injuries, lack of depth, player wise, and then also coaching philosophy. And it's kind of tough for you to fire a coach when you're when you're having financial crisis. But mm-hmm. this upcoming match, I would say it's probably going to be an exciting match just given that they, they're running from the high over the weekend against Valencia. And they need this match badly. Like, even if they win this match, they might be Europa League bound. You know, like, you can't afford another loss at this point, especially on the goal differential. So, you know, every match from this point on out, it's must win. Even, like, when you go to Bayern. So... Which is, you know, that's gonna be a interesting match. Do you think Barca get? Yeah, do you think Barca gets their first their first three points against Kiev? Definitely, I think they're at home. You know, they may they may win like one zip, ugly, but they need the W. They need if they can't beat Kiev at home, just you know, you just have to really shake your head and realize that they're probably not gonna compete in European football if you can't beat Kiev at home. Yeah. Might as well pack it in if 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 they can't if they can't get three points. Yeah, I uh, part of me thinks that they're gonna win. Part of me thinks that yeah. this is gonna be a typical Barcelona European performance and they're gonna lose or they're gonna tie somehow. It's gonna be like a, like a weird one one like a flukish goal and of course there goes Barcelona's hopes and dreams. But I hope not. I hope they get three points um, because there's still some hope there. All right, we're gonna take a short break. When we return going to be a nice segue here because we're going to talk about barcelona we're going to talk about barcelona valencia what happened this weekend we're going to talk about anzu fati we're going to talk about the state of barcelona in general but specifically anzu fati but that will be after the break we'll be right back and we are back ladies and gentlemen my name is alex perez chris suet on the other side of this call and our guest jose guzman thank you for joining us jose we really really appreciate you today All right, let's talk about Barcelona. Let's talk about Barcelona and Valencia. I'm going to throw it over to you, Jose, because we're Barca fans, right? We're we're, we're Barca fans, and this was the most I've celebrated a Barca win in a long time (laughs) because I haven't seen many Barca wins in a long time. What did you think of this game against Valencia? I feel like there's a lot of positives to to take out of this performance. this weekend's match was pretty interesting in a positive note, as you stated, just given that we got to see um, Asufati back on the pitch. Obviously, he's a wonder kid. Um, he does what he does, and he scored a rocket of a goal after we just conceded a goal ourselves a few minutes beforehand. So it was pretty interesting to see the team fight in. But um, the, the thing that probably stood out the most to me was Asufati, of course, um, the development of Sergino Dest, like, Mm-hmm. He's getting better every every as the season continues. He scored a huge goal during the international break for the United States, so that's pretty good to see. 
And then also Gavi. Gavi is baller. Like, to be frank with you, I, he he has been on Barca, but I didn't really know much about him until the international break when, like, he really was playing significant minutes for Spain. Like, he played for us sporadically, but he was playing, like, entire matches for Spain when they matter. And it was pretty interesting to see and other players complimenting him at the age of 17. So that's pretty interesting overall. But then... Um, the, the best part of the weekend, I would say, is just seeing the off um, the offensive side of things. Like the link-up plays, they definitely looked determined. They were looking to attack. They weren't just BSing around with passes. You know, like Barca's philosophy is really tiki-taka, but like it's not really appealing. Like if you don't have the players to really fit that system, so they have to find a different way to play. And I think that this this past match looked pretty well, but also I think it's a different Valencia too. Like, everything's different. The league is different. Like, it's not the Valencia of old, in a sense. So that's why I'm kind of like, hey, this was a great win, but it's not like the previous Valencia teams were a bit tougher. So I kind of take it with a grain of salt. I think the Champions League match is really where we're going to see any progress because, you know, there's pressure there on that point. Yeah, there's there's definitely added pressure because just like we mentioned in the previous segment, Barcelona hasn't even registered a shot on target in, in the Champions League. Um Chris, what did you make of of Barcelona's performance against against Valencia this past weekend? Dude, I thought that was like as good a win as Barca could have wished for. Like, yeah, they got Ansu Fati produced a, a moment of magic after. Obviously, like, yeah, they, the the goal from Valencia to start the game is not what they wanted, but then how they responded was exactly what they wanted. Like Ansu. That was a, a, a cheeky little pass from Memphis to catch Ansu. And then he put it in the, in, the, in that right corner that was filthy. Um, seeing that from this, from this kid, it just gives you more, uh, more certainty that he's going to go back to what he was before the injury. And that was honestly a, a sensational talent. And that's exactly what Barcelona need right now. They need that that. Those players that love the team, that love the club, and you can see that with Pedri, you can see that with Gavi, you can see that with uh, Ansu Fati, that all these kids really love the club, and um, and I, I, I look to push the club forward. You know, this is not the end for them, and the, the, the once these guys mature, then and they're gonna mature together, which is something that I feel like Barcelona have been missing for the last like five years. Like this, this current crop of of, of players, Gavi, Pedri, Ronald Arujo, um, and Alonso, they're, they're all going to be on Barcelona for the next five years. So if they're this good now, what are they going to be five years from now? And, and playing with the same, with the chemistry, with the same team, with the same players that they're playing with. So the, the future is really bright. I thought it was really a, a, a outstanding team, uh, team win. Um, you saw Kun Aguero make his debut. Cochino scored, Memphis yeah. scored from the spot, and he put it away convincingly. <laughs> so yeah. it was really a great win, and I'm really excited to see what they do from here. I still don't think, no matter what happens this season, I hope they don't keep Ronald Coleman and they, they move forward with a, with a better option. I, that's easy to say from, from where I'm sitting. But if somebody like a Ten Hag is available, I hope that they do uh, make that move. And, and and take it from there. Take it. Take the next step from there. But 
I'm really interested to see uh, how this plays out for them. And and I'm watching the the Champions League this this team uh, this game against they, who are they who are they playing against this this week? We just we just Kiev. went over it. Kiev. Kiev. Yeah. Yeah. So I I can't wait to see uh how they try how they carry over from this last game against Valencia because if they do win two games on the bounce and they win convincingly like if Aguero just goes nuts tomorrow or, or, or whatever they play. It's going to be really, really good for their team. Like, um, I don't think that Madrid and Atletico are un- uh, that they, they, they're going to run away from it this year. So, it, it, I think that those those wins will do wonders for the, for Barcelona. I really do. But yeah, they're, they're they're very much needed, of course. And and I feel like when you when you look at this Barcelona side and and you compare them to what they were before the international break, you compare them to the performance that they had against Atletico Madrid, even the one that they had against Cadiz and Granada. What's the difference? It's Anzu Fati. Anzu Fati. Yeah. He, he gives this attack a completely different dimension because this team... What's the term, Chris, that, that we have used beforehand when, when we describe Barcelona? Toothless. They're toothless because they didn't have a killer. They didn't have a guy that just aggressively attacks opposing defenders Anzu Fati will do that now because Mem- Memphis Depay isn't necessarily that that player he's I feel like he's a little more finesse Anzu Fati boom attacks those defenders b- with no mercy whatsoever and that's what Barcelona needed I I will say this and I hate to be the person that that brings up something negative but Barcelona <laughs> defensively is still so so poor they are so poor defensively any team with a good counterattack, any team that is good in a transition will have their way with Barcelona. But that's what happens when you have guys like Pique and Eric Garcia. And I know, I feel like we are a little too harsh on Eric Garcia, but <laughs> but I just, oh God, I see him play and I'm like, dude, I'm not I a don't, fan. Not me a fan. either. Really? Not, no. not yet. No, not no, yet, yeah. no. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think it may be the fact that I am comparing him to Pique and just doing the same route of like going from like Liga to Premier League and coming back. But obviously, two different players. You know, he's wow, his own even think player. That. He's, yeah, he's, that's a good point. His own player, but like I don't see it. Like even when we spoke about it, Chris, like in the chats and and with the guys and stuff, like he barely played at Man City. Like yeah. seriously, like if you look at it, he played. He barely played, and it's probably for a reason. I don't think he's fast enough and physical. No, he's not fast at all. He's he's yeah. good on the ball. He's good on yeah. the ball. But to be a defender nowadays, you can't just be good on the ball. You have to be quick too. Yeah. You you I, absolutely I, have to be quick. Chris, go on. No, yeah. I the thing what I remember from him is that I I remember him playing a lot under Pep while they thought that he was going to be like the future at City, and then during yeah. the last like, year and a half. <laughs> Once, once he said, once it, it became clear that his head was turned, that he was gonna go to Barca, they just, they didn't, they didn't. Either he fell off, or they didn't want to play him, or a combination of both. But yeah, and also Ruben Diaz came in, and Boston. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah and but, he's like, all right, kid, he move. Was, he was playing a lot though, but but what I remember from him was that he was like technical, like you said. Yeah. But he was he also had a good reading of the game, which was good great for the high pressing with Pep. It seemed yeah. like it was gonna be like a good fit, but 
I guess I never thought about it. I mean, he definitely isn't the strongest center back out there. No. Like, that's not his, his strength at all. But I didn't think his speed would be a problem. And, it, and it, if, it, if they are thinking about the teams that are going to play against Barcelona, that is how you take out a Barcelona is on the counter. And if you're not fast, you're asking for it. So, yeah. Man. It, yeah. It's incredible Bro. how they still haven't addressed this, the, this whole situation. Barcelona needs a defender. What do they do? They bring in a winger. They bring in a midfielder. They need a center back. Gerard Pique, club legend, yes. But it, when you look at the reality right now, he's just, he, he can't. He can't be your starting center back. He cannot. Yeah. He, wow. he cannot. He, he just, he simply cannot. And he doesn't have the speed. And he's old. Yeah. And you have to keep him for like the important matches. Yeah. Like you have to keep him fresh. And he gets hurt a lot more now. He gets he he gets hurt a whole lot more, and you can't you can't really rely on that anymore, right? So I feel like a guy like Ronald Araujo, who in a sense is now, I feel like it is a little bit unfair to call him injury prone, but he has been injured a lot, and I hope that this is just these are all contact injuries because if it's non-contact injury and 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 he's well i think it's a hamstring injury that he picked up in the international break ankle. i think or, it's an ankle it, previously some, too. yeah yeah some, something like that if, if it's all non-contact we should worry but uh if it if it's contact then you know it's part of the game what can you do um, but, but yeah, I, I do feel like defensively, this team is still pretty bad and I'm glad we went on a tangent on this because people aren't talking about this. We should be talking about this a little more. Maybe we're, we're just beating a dead horse because this has been a problem for Barcelona for eight, nine years, even during the, the Guardiola years, it wasn't much of a problem because you had Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, Messi, Pedro, Villa, you had an incredible team that made up for a lot of the defensive mistakes. Anyway. In the midfield, I feel like Barcelona is good. They're fine. Pedri's going to come back. Barcelona will be okay. I feel like the future and the present of this Barcelona midfield should be Frankie de Jong as a defensive midfielder, as the pivot. On the right, Gavi. On the left, Pedri. Nope. Might as well. 100%. Pull the trigger. Pull That's the trigger. It. Why not? I don't I think Chris likes stats. it. Frankie, 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 in the middle, you say? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Get Busquets out of the team, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Man. I, I think you wanted to add something, Jose. Go on. Um, yeah, I was going to say we should just get, keep Busquets fresh. Obviously, I think he's still an effective player, depending on the team you're playing. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, you got to keep him fresh. He's, he's still... Is an impact player for Spain nationally as well, so he's not too far off. But his time is coming as well. MPK's time is knocking on the door, and it's time for them to move on. But it's difficult, you know. I think PK's situation is a little more difficult too because we don't really have any other options. So he's like exactly. really all about the club. Lanlet, it's like someone took his soul away. He's no longer the player he was once before. Doesn't even cap for Spain, and then Untiti gave his life for the World Cup. So kind of is what it is at that point. I will say this. Umtiti's very good in FIFA, so I haven't sold him in my career <laughs> mode yet. He's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you play him at fullback? 
Do you play him in full back? No, no. He's, he's, my, he's my second choice left side center back. So whenever I'm playing like a Rayo Vallecano, he starts. Yeah. Uh, nice. <laughs> he starts for sure. Another quick point before we, we move on to, to the big question that we have for this segment. Is Ter Stegen one of the brighter spots of this Barcelona team in, those la- in these last few years? This guy, the saves that he makes... The arm strength is incredible. There's one save where he literally just puts his arm out like this and the ball just ricochets and bounces back. (laughs) He is unreal. He is unreal. And it sucks that he was born and he played in the era of Manuel Neuer. That is his biggest issue. If Manuel Neuer didn't exist, he would be Germany's number one without a doubt. What do we think about Marc-Andre Ter Stegen? Is he... he Maybe, sort of, kind of the best goalkeeper in the world. I think I might be going a little too far. What do we think? Sadie, I'll let you take this one, Sadie. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge Mats fan, but um, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Um, a few years ago, he was in my top three, personally, but I think just as much as the defense has fallen off, his his performance is falling off as well with the mm-hmm. defense. And it's all about Kuhi cohesiveness and they clearly don't have it so it affects this game too so I, I still have him in my top five but I don't think he's a top three keeper to be honest right now this Mendy's better than him Alice is better than him. <laughs> Chris loves that Emerson is better than him so you know like okay. those are those are the folks in my top three and then we're also missing Gigi from PSG so hmm. you know it's it's tough but um he's good he's good with the ball on his feet like he's a good keeper yeah. it's just that that number one spot in Germany is not his. And I think that pre- that period where Nur had those injuries, he should have been number one. And um, Bayern really hold it down for their player. And they were like, hey, like if you don't play him as number one, we're not sending no players to the international break and they had no choice. And that was it. <laughs> yeah, because then you lose half of your team. If there's no Bayern players, you lose half of your team. So (laughs) you have to give in, right? You you don't want to play with with like the the U19s or something like that. Chris, um, what do we think? Where where would you rank Ter Stegen in your your goalkeeper rankings? So as you were saying, as you were, yeah, as you were segueing into this and you were talking about Ter Stegen being one of the top and then going into number one, all I could think about was like, wow, we just spoke about this. That's why me and Teddy were laughing because it was like, <laughs> oh man. So I I, I, I had no idea, I, by the way. Yeah, I like you. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought Ter Sagan was one of the better goalkeepers. Probably t- I had him still top three, but that was based off of what he did uh, about t- up, up up until about two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And you do have to take that into account because, uh, yeah, it's it's it's. It, it, recent history but it still matters and you can say that he could have uh done a done a bit better i'm not going to say that he's been the reason why they lost that's not at mm-hmm. all what happened but there are saves there that other goalkeepers that we're mentioning here would have definitely made and that's the thing uh, um does he have those saves in him i think he does i think he's he's definitely tops like um like you guys both alluded to, he probably should have been in that German national team when he was at his at his peak because he was he was unbelievable. Uh, I don't think he's at that 
unbelievable form right now. And that's why we, we're both saying uh, he's not what he was. It's that's, that's, that's plain to see. He's still better than most of everybody out there. He's still better than 95% of the goalkeepers out there, but there's another level to him. And we, I, I think as football fans, we do want to see that before we say that he's the best goalkeeper in the world. Absolutely. There's also been a, a crop of world-class goalkeepers, especially yeah. from Brazil, that, that mm-hmm. has emerged. And you look at them and you're like, oh my God, they have incredible reflexes. They, they play w- incredibly well with the ball in their feet. They make ridiculous saves. I mean, this is the modern goalkeeper. That is what the modern goalkeeper is. But Listen, as a Barca fan, I'm going to say this. Ter Stegen has been doing that since like 2012, so come on. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, he just impressed me with, with some of those saves. On He's he's so good. He's so good. I've, I've always really liked him, and I'm glad. Uh, yeah, he's so good. I'm, I'm glad that he plays for Barcelona. I, I really am glad because if he played for Bayern, he'd be sitting behind Neuer still. Or if he, if he, if he yeah. stayed in Germany, maybe... Listen, if he, if he would be playing for Borussia Dortmund, of course he would be the number one. But I'm glad he's playing for Barcelona. I'll, I'll say this one last point on him. Yes. I heard like about, I would say like six months ago to maybe a year ago that he got into like an altercation with Messi. And I think that proved to me at that time that he's he's a top a top goalkeeper and a top player. I think if more, if more guys like played and acted like an alpha, I feel like uh, Messi could have been could have won more during his during the, the recent history there. Yeah. I think during those yeah. last two years, it was Messi, Ter Stegen, and everybody else, and everybody else was yep. just waiting for Leo to do something. Whereas Ter Stegen was like, "No, we're gonna we're gonna do something about it." So that fire, even at the time, was like, "Yeah, that guy is somebody you would probably want on your team if he's gonna stand up to Leo Messi." And Go, lo and behold, as soon as Leo Messi left, he's probably he was one of the first ones I saw that, that posted a crazy message about how he made him a better person and better player. So, um, yeah, he's a top player. And even though we're saying that he's not the best in the world, don't take that as a slight. Like this guy is, he's the goods, man. He's he's there's only you can count in one hand the people who are better than him, and it's all in current form. You, you, it's it's really tough to pull the, the best in the world. Uh, because that that question changes every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. It, it, it moves constantly. It moves constantly, and it doesn't wait for anyone. All right, let's get to the question that I've been wanting to ask. <laughs> oh my goodness, is Ansu Fati the savior of FC Barcelona? Let me preface this by saying that if if you guys don't know, of course, Ansu Fati took over the number ten jersey uh, after Lionel Messi left. That already is immense pressure for this uh, 18-year-old wonder kid. And it just appears like every time he shows up, every time he plays, every time people begin to count him out, oh, he was hurt, oh, this, he always <laughs> responds. So is Ansu Fati the answer? Is he the savior of FC Barcelona? And I don't mean it like right now. I'm just saying, well, is, is he the future? Is, is Barcelona okay with Ansu Fati? At the helm, Chris. I, I want to start off with with you because we haven't started the nice. conversations with you in, in a bit. But Chris, I'm going to pass it over to you. A through ball, finish it. So <laughs> I, I think that he is the goods, man. I think he's he's a generational talent. We saw it over the weekend. He, he's direct. He's ferocious. 
Um, I would, I would, the, the, the thing that, that really speaks to me is that I think it has to be him because you can't bring in a signing and say he's the new Messi. Those, that, that pressure, those boots Mm-mm. are too big to fill. You can even see it. I, 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 I'm going to relate it to my club because that's what I do. That's what I watch. We don't have an Eden Hazard replacement. We have four. We have Werner, <laughs> Kai, Ziyech, Pulisic. That's our Eden Hazard replacement. So I think for for uh, a, a signing to be the next Leo Messi is is too, too boots too big to fill. I think that's that's really tough. It's enough pressure for someone to to go to Barcelona and perform, and you can see that yeah. with a talent like Coutinho. Phil Coutinho is, is a, a, a great footballer. I know he's not playing well right now. I know he hasn't been the, the, the top player that we have know he's been for the last two to three years uh, or since his transfer to Barcelona, really. But yeah. it's, it's, it's a different animal going to Barcelona, man. You can be a really good footballer and, and not hit it off there and not be a running runaway train. So I think it has to be someone from the academy. And this kid, he doesn't want to leave Barca. He didn't want to leave when Messi was there, even though his chances were going to be limited. He didn't want to leave now when he was hurt. So I think he is a, a really big piece. But for me, personally, I think another big piece, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Pedri. Because Pedri, I think... That's the, the key player in this in this side and and probably in the next five years. I think Pedri is gonna be an outstanding outstanding midfield talent. And I think with a talent like that, all you have to do is really surround him. You can even if let's say Ansu doesn't make it and he flames out, if you surround Pedri with with, with forwards who, who can score, I think Barcelona is gonna be okay. So to me the bigger Diamond per se would be Pedri, but Ansu Fati is, is is really key to this as well. And and if, if he does hit the ground running, it's gonna expedite the rebuilding process immensely for Barcelona. Absolutely. Yeah, Jose. Um, I would say yeah, he's he's the one that um though that would be another Messi, but just as Chris stated now, like. He's hit the ground running. He's not scared of the moment. And it seems like him and Messi did have some magical moments in the sense of like just friendship and just learning and teaching him as well. Because you can tell he was very passionate even when Ansu scored his first goal. Yeah. And he was there. He was like super excited for Ansu. So you can tell that they have some type of connection. And just the fact that he's a homegrown player is going to make him adapt a lot easier to being the man, especially since you're homegrown. The fans are behind you. Even when you go through these cold streaks, the fans are not going to bring up your contract price up. You know, like it's different when you're like a transfer player. And the only types of players that could pi- possibly re- replace a Messi at Barca are world-class players in the likes of like Mbappe, Haaland, but they still have to win. So that's another thing. Like you can come and be a world-class player and be a generational type player, but if you don't win domestically or a chance, you know the there's going to be a lot of pressure there altogether. So I would say he's definitely the one. Um, to Chris's point, also Pedri, Gavi. I think there's even a few other players like Nico, Blade as well that are pretty good players that we should see um, how things turn out for them. And um, But overall, I would say that Ansu Fati is definitely the one um, for us right now. 
And his game is going to evolve. He's very cl- clinical at the moment, too. So it's like, it's it's impressive like for his age, how clinical he is. So he's probably going to just end up getting even better at reading the game. And as he reads the game better, he's probably going to rely less on his athletic abilities as well because he's just a lot smarter in the head um, than anyone else in the pitch. But, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and right now he can get away with with relying on his physical abilities because he's he's 18. Granted, he's coming back from a pretty serious knee injury, but he can rely on 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 really that that physical ability that speed that that power that that acceleration he can rely on that but as time goes on he most definitely has to has to evolve and it looks like he will it looks like he will he he he's we'll, we'll look back four years from now and say okay well Anzu Fati when he was 18 19 was one type of player right now this kid's incredible hopefully wishful thinking that yeah, is how that, how it'll it'll go for him but I'm I'm gonna take it a little more simple here because yeah he's of course he's an excellent player we know what he does on the pitch but I don't know what it is I see something in his face that he's just so confident all the time this yeah. kid is so confident he's so he's so relaxed I don't I rarely see him make any any gestures facially where he's like he's he's on edge he's nervous he he can't control his emotions the only time where i really saw him where he couldn't control his emotions was when he returned from his injury like three weeks ago he couldn't stop smiling and th- th- that was just wholesome that was beautiful and then he goes on and he scores a goal and he celebrates so passionately his family was there beautiful moment but there's just something about him there's something about the aura that anzu fati has I don't know. I might be looking a little bit too much into this, but his birthday's on Halloween, so the, he's yeah. definitely. That's obvious. It's um, it, it, it's a bit of a joke, but he's he's special. He's a very special player, and I honestly feel that as soon as Ansu Fati scored that first goal, and Lionel Messi gave him that big warm hug, that yeah. that was symbolic because that was Messi saying, "This is your team now. This is your team." Granted, we had no idea that Lionel Messi was going to leave in the way that he did or at the time that he did, but it was symbolic. This is your team, Anzu. You will be the number 10 at some point. You will be the idol for millions of kids around the world or millions of people around the world. You'll be that number 10 for Barcelona. That was symbolic. And of course, we all know what he can do. We know what he can do. We know that he's an incredible, incredible player, but I think that it comes down to that confidence that he has. He's he's very close to his family too, so he he won't be distracted by certain things that, example, Usman Dembele might be distracted <laughs> by, or or other other players, maybe Neymar or stuff like that. Two incredibly talented players that I just mentioned, but you know these were things that that. Uh, that are true. They get distracted. I I will say this though. I will say this. I feel like to an extent there was a lot of pressure put on Ansu Fati very early on in his career and there's a lot of things that can go wrong and I'm sure that there will be a lot of things that will go wrong for Ansu Fati but it just it comes down to how he can really 
fix certain situations, how he deals with certain adversities in certain situations. So I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be fine. I think he's shown that even after nine months of not playing, he still has it. And if 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 he can ball, that's all that matters because he uh, up here he looks like he's okay and he's close to his family and stuff like that. So I think he will be just fine. The future is bright for for Anzu Fati. And if, if I had to make a prediction, I think that he's gonna live up to the hype. He's gonna live up to the hype. I, I don't know if he's gonna be messy level. And I, I I know in the beginning well, before we started recording, I said I wasn't gonna compare them much, but <laughs> I mean that's. That that's the benchmark, right? That that's that that's who we kind of. Unfortunately, I know it's <laughs> man. It's it, it might be a little too much, but Anzufati probably wakes up every morning incredibly excited to play for Barcelona and knowing that he has this responsibility. That's the type of guy that he looks like he is. Uh, do you guys uh, have anything else to add about Anzufati? Maybe. Maybe a, a, a quick prediction about his career. Maybe something that that we haven't mentioned. He's a baller. He's gonna make it. That's from that's from a Barca hater. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, he, he's gonna do his thing, man. Hopefully, um, you know, he's injury free in the next couple of years because he's gonna play a lot of matches. Similar to Pedri, all these players that's are playing a lot of matches early on in their career. You never know. So that's the problem. That's a huge problem, and I. And I hope that that doesn't become a bigger problem because we know that there's a lot of games. And, of course, people from FIFA want to add more games. And Ansu Fati is going to get called up to the Spanish national team more and more. He's going to get called up all the time because that's that's the type of player that he is. He's going to be a starter in his national team. And, and, and that's something that Barca coaches are going to have to look out for. Take care of of, of of Ansu Fati's legs. You can't put too many miles on that either because it, it it would suck if his career didn't pan out because of injuries and injuries that could have been avoided to an extent of course we don't really we don't really know what could have happened it's it's a contact sport at the end of the day anything can happen but if if you can avoid certain certain things maybe sit him out for for certain games do it do it don't think about it do it it, it, it might be beneficial at, at the or in the long term of, of his career. All right. Well, we talked about Barcelona, and that is it for this segment. We are going to take a short break. When we return, we're going to have a fun topic for you all. We're going to talk about the strangest <laughs> transfers of all time. I have a few that I'm thinking about already. I'm sure these guys are thinking about some already. We will be right back after the break. All right, boys. Let's finish this one off with a bang. The weirdest, the strangest transfers of all time. Jose, we were talking about some already. Let's yeah. let's hear it. So I'll say I have two. And my first one is Paulinho. Um, he was playing originally in China. Not originally in China. But he was started off in Tottenham, then ended up flopping in the Premier League. Went to China and then decided to go to Barca. He actually ended up balling out, man. Like, he was a key part of the team, really played very well throughout the season. And then it was kind of just weird to see him go back to China. Didn't seem like he was like a player that wanted to stay in Europe. It was kind of like, hey, I arrived here for this one season to show I can be here and I'm kind of out of here. So that's kind of like my first one. And then the second one is uh, 
Prince Boateng. Like that was like he he can play, but it was so surprising to see him in a club like Barca. It's kind of like, hey, like what are you doing here, bro? But um, <laughs> it's, it's just funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that one fizzled out really really quick for for Kevin Prince Boateng. All right, Chris, give me a couple weird transfers. Uh, I got Alex Bato to Chelsea. That was oh wow! That was weird. <laughs> I I thought we were gonna give him a chance. We gave him one start, and he scored because of a penalty. But he never played again. It was so weird. Like he yeah. was there for six months, played a match. It was like he was a cheerleader again. I don't know. It was so <laughs> weird. Um, another one I, I could remember from back in the day that that was like a big headline was. Uh, Bebe to, to Man United. I know we talked about this on Jose. How yeah. uh, Sir Alex Ferguson signed Bebe without watching him. Without knowing, without knowing who he was, he just heard Barcelona <laughs> were interested. And he said, all right, go, go get him, man. And it was so odd. They, that was the headline when, they, when he signed in 2008. Like, uh, Man, Man United signed player they've never watched. And then he, he, <laughs> barely, he barely played and then fizzled out, too. It was so... It was so odd, and then uh, I guess one the the last one that that has come to mind recently was uh, my guy Bakayoko to Chelsea because yeah. I don't know what the hell happened there. We, we he was like a a really interesting prospect at Monaco. Uh, played played in that in that uh, team that got to the semifinals. I lost to Tottenham to to, to the Lucas Moura uh, hat trick. We signed him. He had a, a up and down first season in which uh, he won. The, we won the FA Cup, but there were some games where he really. There, there, there are people who say he's he's produced the worst uh, performance in a Chelsea shirt ever, because he he, <laughs> he got red carded within 20 minutes playing at Wat, Watford, who was like who, as we know, has been relegated, uh, and come back to the Premier League, but. Dude, he looked like he was he he looked like he shouldn't be anywhere near a football pitch. And this this guy was was a really talented midfielder. Like it was really odd. And then he ended up in the starting eleven for the FA Cup winning side. And then hasn't found a, a home since. He's been on loan for four straight seasons. It's been the weirdest transfer. And I know there's a player in there. Like this is something that I guess has happened over the over the years. There are good players who go to these big clubs and flop, and that doesn't mean that they're bad players. It just means that they, it, it wasn't meant to be at these, these big clubs. Like, there's levels to this, and just because you're not a, a Chelsea or Barcelona, Madrid or Man United player, and you play for a West Ham or a, another tier down, it doesn't mean that you're a bad footballer. Just there's, like I said, there's levels to this. There's this is the best of the best. So, um, but it's been it has been very weird because. He's been on loan for four straight years, and every year it's like he does. It's like the same year at Chelsea where he does really well, but also really poor, and the teams don't really know what to do with him. So it's been a weird <laughs> one for sure. You said it best, Chris. You said it best. There's there's levels to this, and people sometimes take offense to that, but it's true. It's true. Not everyone can be Messi. Not everyone can be Ronaldo. Not everyone can be Hazard or Neymar or Mbappe. 
it's there's levels and and i'm glad you said it and i hope no one takes offense to that um i i have a, a few weird transfers um and then i have a few that were like like this one wasn't necessarily a transfer it was it, well, it was a free transfer Gianluigi Buffon to PSG that was just one season <laughs> what the hell was that that was weird and then he went back to Juventus and and then now he plays for Parma I could have sworn he was retired um that one was weird <laughs> Frank Ribery another free transfer to Fiorentina I was not expecting him to play there um yeah. But then, of course, I had the uh, Kevin Prince Boateng to Barcelona. That one was ridiculously <laughs> weird, so bizarre. It it was also like towards the end of the January transfer window. It was like the last couple of days where where they finalized that. Like, really? That's how you're gonna end off the transfer window? Anyway, um, Javier Mascherano and Carlos Tevez to West Ham in 2006. That was weird. West Ham isn't a team known for bringing in players like that. And then, sure enough, Tevez goes to where he went to Manchester United and then uh, Javier Mascherano went to Liverpool. So that, that was, that was bizarre. And, um, and then man, this one, (laughs) I can't believe we're going to mention this guy on the podcast, but here we go. (laughs) Nicolas Bender to Juventus. Um, (laughs) Like, he wasn't cracking it at Arsenal. He wasn't doing much at Arsenal. Goes to Juventus, and I I can't even tell you what his career highlight at Juventus <laughs> was. We'll just put it. We'll just put it like that. I just remember he was there like 2012, and that's all. All right, boys. I th- I think that that's enough weird transfers for today. Let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Chris. I don't think you said your social media at the top of the show. I I, I don't think I asked you, but uh. Let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris, S-O-L-O-D-O-L-O underscore. There you go. I think that's like the sixth week in a row that you get it without, without <laughs> any. I did it faster this time. I did it faster this time. <laughs> I'm writing it down. So. My guy. My guy. All right, Jose, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this, and we hope you can come back sometime very, very soon. Uh, yes. Wh- whatever, whatever you're working on, whatever social media if you want people to follow you or not please the floor is yours my friend thank you for having me guys um it's been a great evening chatting about soccer and uh, the audience can follow me at at ride underscore the underscore wave on instagram hope everyone has a good evening of course i'll give you a follow dude i'll give you a follow for sure i think we just became friends All right. right. And and, and once again, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alex Perez FC. Subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, Remember, we're on Blue Wire Hustle. In case you guys forgot, Blue Wire Hustle. Shout out to them over at Blue Wire Hustle, of course. All right. That's it from us. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jose, once again. Take care. Goodbye.